have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. As if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. yourselves to brutes, men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. Everybody, it's Reality Rants. I am Jason Burmis, brought to you by Red Voice Media. I'm a little extra perky today. Why? I've been up a long time. I almost feel like the uh, RVM founder over there, Ray Dietrich. He gets up at like four in the morning on the reg and uh, manages this whole thing until the late, the wee hours of the evening. I mean, this guy's dedicated. And I got up today at about four in the morning. Actually, I'm not going to lie. I overslept. My, my alarm didn't go off and I almost missed what was a banger, a banger of an interview with Charlie Skelton, uh, the man who brought you the most in-depth, mainstream Bilderberg coverage, not just this year, uh, but in all previous years, starting in 2009 when he realized, hey, this isn't a joke. This is the real deal. So I talked with Charlie Skelton for about an hour. Hopefully, depending on how much we cover in this first hour, we're going to play some of that, but that's premium number two. I promised everybody I wasn't going to forget about you. We don't do that here. We keep our word. Hopefully all you people who are supporting me over at redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored enjoyed the Jackman brothers, the Jackman twins, by the way. People were in the chat going, boy, they look a lot alike. Yes, they're identical twins. They do look a lot alike. <laughs> it's, it's, I believe, when you're with them and you're trying to keep Mike and uh, Eric you know, separate, it always does help if there's a little different facial hair or a, a different haircut. Sometimes you can remember clothes, but it, it's tough. You know? And you never know. They could, be, they could be running some game on you. you would, they are identical twins. Great conversation with them. Great conversation with Charlie Skelton today. Okay, awesome conversation. So we're going to probably play a little bit of that in the uh, aspect of AI and Bilderberg because AI is a huge, huge deal, especially right now in the post-truth world where the Tuckins and RFK Jr. are all falling for this latest alien psyop. 
It's not re it's not real, everybody. <laughs> okay? But we also have to look at the Tuckins returning to Twitter. Right now, it's like it's like a, a, a running meter, right? Like you know how you can go to uh, New York City and they have the debt just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing to let everybody know that we're screwed. And they've had that for a long time. 62.5 million views is 10 and a half minute video. We're going to end up playing some of that in the next segment. But here's the deal. Okay. Here, here's the real deal. He opens very strong. Talking about a media that has lied to us about a multitude of things, including what? 9-11 and the JFK assassination. Hammering it home, brother. Hammering it home. On top of that, okay, he takes what he starts with this piece about alien life, which has no substance, and I'm going to show you why it has no substance whatsoever in a moment. It's, it's Johnny nonsense, everybody. My goodness. Drives me mad. You know, I, I, and this is just like Elon Musk. I will take these guys to task on this issue every time because I'm not a fanboy. You get it? Like, I'm a fan of the truth. I'm a fan of when people are, are doing the hard-hitting stuff and reporting on things no one else is. And it's great that he's no longer beholden. And I like how he also opened the Tuckins with, he says there are no gatekeepers here. If that happens to not be the case, we'll go somewhere else. Good way to start, bro. But then you, you just follow it up with the 9-11 stuff the JFK stuff, into the alien stuff. And pe people are often surprised when they're not kind of in this geopolitical arena that I've been in now for 20-plus years when I tell them that I don't believe that the mass uh, amounts of UFOs, etc., are alien life. I, and, and then I say, look, is there a possibility that aliens exist? Sure. Is there a possibility they've been here? Sure. I've seen no evidence of it. I've seen no evidence of it. And this latest person, okay, and I want to show people, because we talked about it a little bit yesterday. It's out on uh, Debrief, and now it's being picked up everywhere, okay? Intelligence official uh, officials say U.S. has retrieved a craft of non-human origin. Now, the big thing is it's pointed to this guy. And, oh, look, he's he's got some medals, and, and that's not for me to denigrate anybody who served and earned medals. But okay, great. What does he know? What has he said he know, knew? And uh, there's a reporter at the New York Post. In fact, I'm going to pull it up. I'm not going to play the video, but he, he really dominated with the way he broke this down. Because all you have, get past the headline and get past the little snippety snip that you're seeing all over the place of aliens exist. I that is it's it's wild, but there's this major psyop going on. No, that's the major psyop. You know, for those that don't know, we're gonna learn a new word today. It's called chimera. Okay, chimera. That's that's really gonna be the word of the day. Not alien, not extraterrestrial. Okay, chimera. So this guy right here, I, I gotta tell you, I don't know his other work. Uh, the New York Post has been one of the better mainstream outlets as of late, used to attack 9-11 truth, just like the Tuckins, viciously. Viciously. 
This is uh, Stephen Greenstreet, okay? I shared some thoughts on the UFO whistleblower claims uh, government has aliens thing. And he's dead right on everything. First of all, who brought you all this UAP uh, Alizondo nonsense? The New York Times. You trust the New York Times? Anybody with a brain in their head at this point knows that the New York Times is one of the worst. The one of the worst. One of the most prominent establishment mouthpieces. Now, the things that he points out are this. Number one, this guy has no firsthand claims of seeing alien aircraft, okay, and or alien bodies. He has only talked to other officials inside the government that have told him the stories. So he has firsthand nothing. Johnny nonsense. And what have I always talked about? That we still don't have any physical evidence. We certainly don't have any convincing uh, video, which now, I don't know how you get convincing video because we're here. We're in the deep fake era. We're in the, it's going to be tough. You know, years and years and years ago, there were those videos that surfaced of supposedly aliens coming into Washington, D.C. and they're short. They're pretty well done, they're pre but they're, they're fakes. You know, there's some actually really good debunking. Of them. That didn't stop it from uh, Hearst Publications putting it in documentary series that you see on the History Channel, H2, Discovery, AHC, and all of them. That's on purpose. This is, this is something also, I want everybody to know, was cleared by the military to come out. Like, you can't reveal things that are top secret. But because this guy has no firsthand knowledge, he's allowed to talk about conversations he had with other parties as long as he doesn't disclose who they are. Why are we trusting intel agencies and intel sources? So now let's, let's get to the word of the day, okay? Let's get to the word of the day. Chimera. It's such an important word. A chimera is simply a biologically created life form or organism. It can be very, very tiny. Very, it, it can be bio nanotech. You, you can argue that chimera tech in, in the form of uh, biomedical treatments, it's been around for some time now. And, and, and it's being ever more commercialized. But then let's get it on a, a large scale. Okay, the kind of scale where, according to Annie Jacobson, and take it with a grain of salt, because you know what we're dealing with? We're dealing with an eyewitness account. Now, this person did have firsthand knowledge of Area 51. Uh, she, I, I don't believe, has still named this source or not, the, the person who, at the end of their conversations, when she asked him, what have you told me in comparison to what you did if she had a crouton, I think it was, on this plate, if this is the crouton and the rest of the plate represents uh, your knowledge, he goes, it wouldn't even be like that. He said it would be the entire table or the surrounding area in the crouton. But what he did reveal, according to him, is that the Roswell incident was instigated by Stalin, was dropped via a uh, other aircraft, and had human beings that had been genetically modified to look like aliens via Joseph Mengele. Believe it? Don't believe it? Okay. But believe this. When she asked him, 
well, if that was the case, why wouldn't we just blow the whistle on them? And he said something very simple. We were doing the same thing. Okay, so now let's fast forward to 2023. Forget about the 1940s and 50s and the rise of the military-industrial complex and Operation Paperclip and the absorption of Nazi technology versus the technology that was de being developed by Western worlds, the United States in particular, Manhattan Project style, nuclear warfare and beyond. <clears throat> and now fast forward 60 to 70 years. Can you imagine what they have? Can you imagine the, the, the type of human chimeric life forms they've developed? I think... If, if we're acting realistically and we look at the moral compass, okay, of the predator class that surround us, the moral compass, which is not a very good one, I would say you could roll out biological life forms that absolutely 100% believed that they were from some other solar system. And they would be nothing more than biologically engineered entities. Pretty dark, pretty scary, pretty black mirror. Jason, that's kooky talk. That's kooky talk. Well, I'm sorry, but, you know, when I see RFK Jr., this is a huge blind spot. Another conspiracy theory that turned out to be true. I guess Men in Black got it right. No, they didn't. And the irony is, you know, the actual men in black projects, okay, the actual guys that were going around and doing that are the ones that promoted these things as alien in retrospect. And, and we don't even know the behind the scenes stuff in Hollyweird regarding it, but we do know a lot about what the involvement of the Pentagon with Hollyweird and their messaging, and their rating system. I mean, it goes deep. This is reality. So on the flip side of this break coming up, we're going to play the beginning of the new Tuckins on Twitter. Does it equal truth? I guess we'll see. I think it's a big stumble in the beginning, but a lot of people are falling for this Johnny Nonsense whistleblower. Blow my whistle elsewhere as we have a word from our sponsor. You're still looking good. I'm still feeling good. You know, I've got all your MyPillow products. Mattress topper, bed sheets, MyPillows, towels, slippers, blankets, sleepwear, dog Whoa, bed. whoa, Charles. Everyone now can get MyPillow products at huge discounts at MyPillow.com. That's right. Now's the time to go to MyPillow.com or call the number on your screen. Use your promo code to take advantage of our three-in-one sale. We're bringing you exciting new products, overstock specials, and closeout deals you won't find anywhere else. For example, when you buy one of our brand new MyPillow 2.0s, you get another one absolutely free. And with our overstock sale, you save 50% on our luxurious Giza Dream bed sheets. That's as low as $29.99 for the best sheets ever. And with our biggest closeout special, you get our all-season slippers for only $35 or our sandals and slides for just $25. Quantities are limited, and once they're gone, they're gone. 
Shout out to uh, Eric in the chat. Uh, Eric is the, the guy that gave me the old upside down uh, flag, kind of on the fly, Pittsburgh style. Uh, I believe it was in 2009 during the G20. That's a that's a story too far for today because the second hour is already locked in. Haven't mentioned it yet, but we're going to talk election integrity here and abroad with Craig Pastajardula in the second hour. Really great interview there. You're going to want to go to rvmrumble.com, rvmrumble.com, or go subscribe, throw on the notifications over at Rumble for Red Voice Media. Um, you know what the live stream looks like by now. It looks a lot like that little RVM network in the corner, some different colors. And that runs the whole day all the way till 8.30 Monday through Thursday. We kick it off live 9 to 11 a.m. Eastern time. Okay. I definitely want to get to this. I want to get to uh, part of my interview with the Jackmans in this hour and also part of my interview with Charlie Skelton. I've got a ton of stories. Again, I don't even know if we're going to be able to hit them. I often look back like yesterday and I'm like, oh my God, there were six or seven stories. I mean, first of all, that Ukrainian bridge that got blown up and all those civilians, you know, murdered again. That's a huge story. And the idea, again, that is being blamed on Russia out of the gates, everybody should be questioning it. Every, and that's why the second half of the Tuckins on Twitter is hard-hitting. Unfortunately, after the introduction, to me, the first half is kind of, you know, bad theater. And, and I'm not saying that, you know, he's in on it. I, I think that this UFO and alien issue, uh, because it's one that we were lied to for so long and... We've been psychologically manipulated via Hollyweird to believe so. We're just so ready for it. We're just so ready for it as a populace. It's mainstream. It's almost become a religion via this whole ancient aliens thing. Uh, but that's here nor there. Let's play some Tuckins on Twitter. Hey, it's Tucker Carlson. This morning, it looks like somebody blew up the Kokovka Dam in southern Ukraine. The rushing wall of water wiped out entire villages, destroyed a critical hydropower plant, and as of tonight, puts the largest nuclear reactor in Europe in danger of melting down. So if this was intentional, it was not a military tactic, it was an act of terrorism. The question is, who did it? Well, let's see. The Kokovka Dam was effectively Russian. It was built by the Russian government. It currently sits in Russian-controlled territory. The dam's reservoir supplies water to Crimea, which has been, for the last 240 years, home of the Russian Black Sea Fleet. Blowing up the dam may be bad for Ukraine, but it hurts Russia more. And for precisely that reason, the Ukrainian government has considered destroying it. In December, the Washington Post quoted a Ukrainian general saying his men had fired American-made rockets at the dam's floodgate as a test strike. So really, once the facts start coming in, it becomes much less of a mystery what might have happened to the dam. Any fair person would conclude that the Ukrainians probably blew it up. So let's stop hey, it there. Hey, it's Tucker oh. Carlson. This oh, I'm about to rewind it. Didn't want to do that. Bring it to there. So again, I'm, I, hey, we're human. I got up at four in the morning. I made a mistake. I confused it. He opened with this. It's a good open. It's a big story. It's one that I had open yesterday and I didn't go over. So again, th this is good. This is good, Tuck. Just as you would assume they blew up Nord Stream, the Russian natural gas pipeline, last fall. And in fact, the Ukrainians did do that, as we now know. 
It's not like Vladimir Putin is anxious to wage war on himself. Oh, but that's where you're wrong, Mr. and Mrs. Cable News consumer. Vladimir Putin is exactly that sort of man, the sort of man who'd shoot himself to death in order to annoy you. We know this from the American media, which wasted no time this morning in accusing the Russians of sabotaging their own infrastructure. Bill Kristol, the man who once told us that Saddam Hussein was responsible for 9-11. And let's stop it there. We got to remember, Bill Kristol very much mentored Tucker in news, in media, big part of the Daily Caller in the beginning, which was the Tuckins. So look, again, very strong. Very, very strong. I, I, I'd like him every once in a while, however, to throw that part in, right? That that's also part of the story that, you know what? I, I, and, you know, he has apologized for, for William Crystal. He shouldn't have to do it again and again and again. But it, it's worth noting, right? And, and I'm, again, I'm glad he throws some shade on Bill Crystal. Immediately denounced Putin as a war criminal and even more savagely compared him to Donald Trump. The rest of the pundit class made similar, clearly coordinated noises. Putin did it! Putin did it! And their reasoning was simple. Putin is evil, and evil people do evil things purely for the dark joy of being evil. In this specific case, Putin attacked himself, which is the most evil thing you can do, and therefore perfectly in character for a man that evil. That was their explanation. No one who's paid to cover these things seemed to entertain even the possibility it could have been the Ukrainians who did it. No chance of that. Ukraine, as you may have heard, is led by a man called Zelensky. And we can say for a dead certain fact that he was not involved. He couldn't have been. Zelensky is too decent for terrorism. And, and, and this is a great part, too, because, you know, I talked about the Hollyweird culture. And this, this is the thing, man. He gets that part of it. He's like, yeah, no, they installed an actor over there. They installed a, a, a second-rate comedic actor as the president over there. He gets that aspect of entertainment and how it's used to manipulate, but he falls short on the alien thing. Now, you see him on television, and it's true you might form a different impression. Sweaty and rat-like, a comedian turned oligarch, a persecutor of Christians, a friend of BlackRock but don't believe your own eyes. Actually, Mr. Zelensky is a very good man. The best, really. As George W. Bush once noted, he is our generation's Winston Churchill. Of all the people in the world, our shifty, dead-eyed Ukrainian friend in the tracksuit is uniquely incapable of blowing up a dam. He's literally a living saint, a man in whom there is no sin. Hey, and by the way, nothing wrong with wearing a tracksuit. I know I've been known to wear a tracksuit here and there. Okay, I, I, I get it. Organized crime may have given the tracksuit a bad name, but super comfortable and I think, obviously, super fashionable. That's why Lindsey Graham is so attracted to him. They're just two good people hanging out together and being good. And like all good people, when they meet in person, they spend a lot of time talking about killing people and laughing like friends do. Here's the pair last week. Free or die. Free or die. Now you are free. Yes. And we will be. And the Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent. Thank you so much. Now it's... The Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent, Graham says. A smile spreads across his thin, quivering lips as he forms the words. 
He looks like a starving man contemplating a breakfast buffet. The aroma of death has aroused Lindsey Graham. Thanks so much, replies Zelensky. He feels the same way. See, there's nothing dark here. Just two middle-aged guys celebrating the killing of a population. They don't seem like the kind of people who'd enjoy flooding villages or starting a famine. And in any case, who cares if they are? It's really not your business. Your job is to support Ukraine. Watch Nikki Haley, a Republican candidate for president, explain this principle on CNN. Let's just stop that. We actually played the Nikki Haley clip of that, that Ukraine has to win. Ukraine has to win. And look, I, I got to say this. I told you this was a strong, strong segment. It's, it's super strong, and I think it's stronger than it could have been on Fox News. The aroma of death, that's good stuff. The thing is, this is 10 minutes. He's got to produce a 45-minute or a 40-minute show to kind of compete with what he did. I don't know if he's going to be beholden to that format. Obviously, he doesn't look that way. I would hope so, and I would hope that he can integrate more long-form interviews into this show as well. Uh, I, again, I think it's on baby steps here, but this this is so far pure gold. Let's keep going. A win for Ukraine is a win for all of us. And for them to sit there and say that this is a territorial dispute, that's just not the case. To say that we should stay neutral, it is in the best interest of America. It's in the best interest of our national security for Ukraine to win. We have to see this through. We have to finish it. See? It's very easy to understand. It is vitally important for you to support Ukraine because it's necessary for Ukraine to be supported by you. Your support is mandatory until it's finished, whatever it is and whatever that means. So shut up and support Ukraine or else you're in trouble. Back when they still taught logic, statements like this were known as tautologies. Something is true because it is. The more you repeat it, the truer it becomes. And you know, that's very, very, very much a uh, philosophy of famous propagandists. The more you repeat the lie, the more it becomes reality. And in today's post-truth world, that could not be more correct. It's a self-reinforcing reality. There was a time when tautologies were considered illegitimate arguments, not to mention hilariously stupid. Only dumb people talk like that. Now everybody in power talks like that. Diversity is our strength. Trans women are women. Zelensky is Churchill. It's all self-evidently true. Doesn't need an explanation and don't ask questions. Sound familiar? Of course it does. That's the pap they're serving us day after day in steaming lumpy portions. By this point, it's possible that American citizens are the least informed people in the world. Your average yak herder in Tajikistan knows who blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. It's obvious. Does he think some skinny dude in a dress is actually a girl? <laughs> Come on. That idea would never occur to him. You've got to be lied to at full volume over a period of years in order to reach conclusions like that. And of course, we have been. The media lie. They do. The media lie. They do. And this is, again, this is where it goes from possibly the strongest part of this to the weakest part with the alien story. That's why it's heartbreaking to me. But mostly they just ignore the stories that matter. What's happened to the hundreds of billions of U.S. dollars we've sent to Ukraine? No clue. 
Who organized those BLM riots three years ago? No one's gotten to the bottom of that. What exactly happened on 9-11? Well, it's still classified. How did Jeffrey Epstein make all that money? How did he die? How about JFK? And so endlessly on. I mean, bam, they lie. They do all legit, all legit. And by the way, can we get a hundred thumbs up? Can we get a like? Can we get a share? Can we get people to come on over to the premium at redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored? Stay tuned and find out. Not only are the media not interested in any of this, they are actively hostile to anybody who is. In journalism, curiosity is the gravest crime. Yesterday, for example, a former Air Force officer who worked for years in military intelligence came forward as a whistleblower to reveal that the U.S. government has physical evidence of crashed non-human-made aircraft. So once again, this is where it gets disappointing. This gets mixed in with all that legitimate stuff. When this is not, again, I want to repeat this. This is not a whistleblower. He doesn't claim to have any firsthand knowledge of any of this, but simply has talked to those within the military who have. It's not the same thing. And, and, and as I've said, I very much believe that these craft exist. I think that the vast majority of them are military-run propulsion systems, weapon systems, etc., all right, I really truly believe that. And that does that leave it open for the possibility? Yes, I haven't seen the evidence. I've read a lot. I haven't seen the evidence. The disinformation runs thick. And like I said, at this point, biological entities that claim to be or look like, quote unquote, aliens that are produced by our black projects are a very real possibility. We'll talk about that and more on the flip side of this commercial break. Welcome to Reagan Gold Group. We're glad you're here. We understand that you're probably feeling the pain of rising inflation and are worried about how it may be affecting your hard-earned savings. Thanks to H.R. 5376 passed by President Biden, many 401k and IRA savers are facing a nightmare. Governments are printing fiat currency at an alarming rate which means that the value of your savings is being eroded day by day. However, there is a way to escape wealth confiscation. Precious metals such as gold does not depreciate over time and is a sound investment that keeps on growing. Physical gold is not subject to fraud and as inflation rises, so does the price of gold. It's an investment product that is renowned for its ability to hedge against inflation. I'm Leith Eaton, the Senior Account Executive here at Reagan Gold Group. We offer 100% free IRA rollovers with free storage, maintenance, and insurance for up to three years on qualified orders. We understand that your financial needs and goals may change over time, which is why we offer a hassle-free buyback commitment. This allows you to sell your precious metals any day, any time at the current market value. Whether you're looking to cash in on your investment, diversify your portfolio, or simply need some extra cash, our buyback commitment is here to support you. We offer a price match guarantee to ensure you get the best price for your precious metal investments. Contact us before making a purchase and we'll be any competitor's price. We also understand the importance of the safe and secure shipping of your metals. 
That's why we fully ensure all orders ship to our customers with signature required. Book a free consultation with us now to learn how you can invest in precious metals and hedge your financial future. And for a limited time, we're offering up to $2,500 in free gold and silver. Don't miss out on this limited opportunity. Contact us today to take advantage of this amazing offer. rvmgold.com go check it out we're going to wrap up this tuckins piece then we're going to play a, a little bit of the jackman brothers and myself talking john Kerry. that's over at premium and remember uh today hopefully we'll get the charlie skelton premium interview up i want to play a, a bit of a clip of that and, and look here's the thing that really does get to me right Stephen Greer is somebody I do not trust one iota. Not one iota. And I remember early on in the 9-11 Truth movement, he was confronted about 9-11 Truth and false flag operations. And it, and it wasn't in, in vogue then. It wasn't in trend. It wasn't something a lot of people uh, talked about. He certainly wasn't talking about. He was uncomfortable with it. And eventually... He leads that first big disclosure documentary with 9-11 and Bohemian Grove and, and, you know, encircles that into the UFO issue. Now, as far as Bohemian Grove goes, you could probably encircle that with, with the technology being used, right, uh, and utilized post-World War II because, yes, a lot of the military-industrial complex is there and is making decisions with all types of tech and hardware and that type of thing. But the guy, I, I mean, he's compromised, guys. That, that's all I'm going to say. And, and half the stuff I see there, you know, these encampments where people go out and they summon UFOs. Come on. Come, come on. Come on now. Give me a break. All right. Back to the Tuckins and this uh, whistleblower that's not a whistleblower. As well as the bodies of the pilots who flew those aircraft. The Pentagon has spent decades studying these otherworldly remains in order to build more technologically advanced weapons systems. Okay. That's what the former intel officer revealed, and it was clear he was telling the truth. Again, wasn't clear to me. I mean, maybe the truth he believes based on who he's talked to, but he has no firsthand knowledge. In other words... UFOs are actually real, and apparently so is extraterrestrial life. Now we know. In a normal country, this news would qualify as a bombshell, the story of the millennium. But in our country, it doesn't. The whistleblower's account ran on a technology website called The Debrief, which you've probably never heard of. The Washington Post had that story, but decided not to run it. The New York Times, meanwhile, just pretended it never happened. On the front page of the New York Times website this morning, there were five stories about Ukraine, as well as four stories apiece about Donald Trump, trans people, and climate change, the usual lineup. There was nothing at all about how an alien species is flying hypersonic aircraft over our cities. But they'll be the first to promote it. Again, again, they're going more of the UAP, Elizondo route, but, but they're very, very much involved. So... You know, this is where Tucker and I, I part ways. There's a couple more minutes left. Uh, I do want to move on. You know, the, the last of this, him saying, you know, we'll move from 
this platform if it if it does have gatekeepers. I think that's a good message. I think there were a lot again. The part on Ukraine was heavy hitting. The part on the media establishment heavy hitting. But I'm sorry, but this 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 is hack job. The guy doesn't have any firsthand knowledge. I can't repeat it enough. Okay. I want to play uh, this clip. Me and the Jackmans yucking it up. John Kerry style. Here we go. You just mentioned John Kerry. How bizarre is it that all the way back in 2004, that's kind of like your uh, your introduction to modern day presidential politics after the 2000 hanging chads and the nonsense. But now that guy clearly runs more foreign and domestic policy than the poopy pants zombie puppet in chief. I mean, this is a guy that's a mover and shaker. He's all over the international scene. He's very much behind this Davos, W-E-F, you will own nothing, you will be happy, there's a climate crisis. I played a clip of him in 2009, stating that within five years, if we didn't do anything, 2000, it was all over in 2014, everybody. You know, and now that same rhetoric is there. Um, people like Thomas Massey are actually trying to engage him, and he's just like, I shouldn't even dignify that with a response, it's so unscientific. Uh, what what are your feelings about John Kerry and kind of his place in this uh, dark cartoon post truth world that we're living through? Well, Jason, I got to say, Alex Jones here. He's been a really great globalist. I mean, uh, you know, just apart from the the non GMO Botox that he shoots into his forehead, uh, which is green, totally green, uh, available on Infowars.store right now, twenty four hours half off. Um, but he, you know, he's got the Heinz money. You know, I'm sure he's still taking helicopters, helicopters, and private jets to Davos, but. Um, no, it's interesting because uh, when I was a 17-year-old uh, and 18 when I first voted, which was for Kerry, I didn't know about the, the whole Skull and Bones deal. And some people, like some Howard Dean supporters are like, well, why are you supporting him? He voted for the Iraq war. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, he want, he says he's going to end the Iraq war. He's a Vietnam veteran. You know, he protested Vietnam. And one of my history teachers from middle school was like, I, I served in the infantry in Vietnam. I never had any cameras following me around. <laughs> I always thought that was an interesting point that he said to me. So, <clears throat> and I'm not questioning Kerry's anybody who joins the military or a veteran, but it's just a, uh, my history teacher who was a hardcore Vietnam veteran made, made that point to me, and that always kind of stuck with me. <clears throat> Wasn't that part of like the Swift uh, vote campaign against Kerry too? I I, I generally yeah. remember there were people um, that were veterans from that era that had either served around Kerry or with Kerry that were vehemently against the, the narrative that had been put out that he was some kind of a dissident or war hero because he was, I believe, in the Senate hearings regarding the Vietnam War in the early 80s when they were reviewing it, and that was kind of his political takeoff. Yeah, and he, he was part of Winter Soldier, I think, the 19, uh, late 1960s, or, or maybe it was the early 70s, the first iteration of Winter Soldier, and there was the whole controversy, you know, did he throw his medals versus did he just throw his ribbons? <clears throat> and I always kind of thought that was, they made a big to-do out of that. But more importantly, you know, Kerry is a globalist at this point. He's a made man. He's one of the boys, you know, he tried to model himself after Kennedy. There's photos of him, I think, sailing with JFK. Um, you know, he got to meet him and everything. And he really tried to chart that path in Massachusetts politics. But then after the 04 election, 
Uh, I saw the clear fraud that was taking place in Ohio, and that, that also got me very interested in election fraud. It One he actually... bent the knee for, which is very odd for somebody that was trying to win the president. Yeah. It wasn't just it... Ohio. Ohio was the main state. We actually highlighted that today, and that mainstream articles were daring to quest question the election and who was overseeing it inside of Ohio. There were allegations... That you had uh, ballots moved in the middle of the night. Ooh, we had ballots moved in the middle of the night. And then, of course, the overall beginning of the institution of what was then largely Diebold machines, but machines nonetheless, that you really couldn't audit. Continue. Yeah, exactly. So after 2004, I saw some reports about, you know, they wanted to do a recount in the 88 counties in Ohio. And it was actually Michael Bednarik from the Libertarian Party and David Cobb from the Green Party that were even really saying anything or trying uh, to have any kind of legitimate recount. Um, because you had the, you know, long line, long wait times and lines, uh, you know, disenfranchised voters, uh, voting machines not working. And th yeah, this was 2004. <clears throat> it seems like they haven't fixed that. It seems like it's gotten worse. So How dare you say that, sir? We had the most safe and secure election of all time in 2020. The Intel community told me so. Tony Blinken told me so. Christopher <laughs> Ray told me so, damn it. How it was dare a, you? Jason, excuse me, Jason. You know it was a fraud. Everybody knows it was a fraud, okay? They had all those ballots. Uh, they had them in drums in the swamp down in Florida. It was just very disgusting stuff, okay? And I had a perfect phone call with the Secretary of State in Georgia. It was perfect, okay? And speaking of Bilderberg, what's Stacey Abrams doing there? I mean, come on, Jason. I mean, did she think she's she governor of Bilderberg? What's the deal with that, you know, okay? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that informed my the political views going forward. Um, and after 04, I no longer considered myself a Democrat. I, I went independent. And then from every election forward, I always went with who I thought was the mo legitimately the most anti-war and legitimately talking about real issues like the Federal Reserve, foreign policy, um, the corruption of our agencies. And that's that's where, where we are today with uh, RFK Jr. That's why we're so excited for his candidacy. Get the whole story on Red Voice Media Premium the link below completely uncensored and free boom redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored try it for a buck for the first week okay just first week no big deal right one dollar uno dollar you don't like it cancel it otherwise 10 bucks a month lock it in if you really want to support the broadcast at a hundred dollars for the year save yourself 20 bucks and then every two weeks um, they go free Anyway, and they're in-depth, really fun interviews with smart people, with people that are in the political arena. You know, the Jackman brothers just had that uh, video that's gone viral in many respects with RFK Jr. They're not afraid to uh, challenge the status quo and be hilarious while doing it. I think that's important. Okay, I want to hit some of these stories down the line before we hit our next commercial break. Uh, because, you know, they mentioned Bilderberg. And the discussion I had with Charlie Skelton about Bilderberg, I think, is of the utmost importance. And I do want to play just a small segment of that regarding AI uh, with Charlie. So we're going to do that in the final segment of the first hour. Remember, the second hour, completely and totally free. We're talking election integrity with Craig Pasta Jardula and a whole lot more over at rvmrumble.com. So, 
Musk concedes Twitter ad revenue is down almost 100 million, but blames liberals for trying to bankrupt the platform and kill its free speech as new CEO Linda Yaccarino takes the reins early. Uh, this is the WEF person. This is a person that's also behind ESG, SDG. 100 million, you know, for something he paid, I don't know, 44 billion with investors. It means nothing. It's all smoke and mirrors, everybody. All, all smoke and mirrors. Make no mistake about this. this isn't a real power struggle. I saw this Johnny Nonsense uh, post by Occupy Democrats talking about how the MAGA brand is the most distrusted now along with MAGA Twitter. Twitter's now MAGA. Meanwhile, a guy like me uh, has had to kick and scream and struggle and scrape just to get who we've got following us and get almost no engagement. The Tuckins is 62 million and counting for his stuff. If I got if I got 62,000 views on a video, which, you know, back in the past when the algorithms were somewhat fair and didn't censor you, wouldn't have been a problem. That would be mega at this point. Mega at this point. Let's keep going down. Does nobody at J.P. Morgan have a conscious three Jeffrey Epstein victims write scathing letters pleading for bank executives to admit they knew about his abuse? Of course, they. the emails are out. The payments are being made. The reality is being exposed. And we're going to talk more about that, give you a little sample of the Bilderberg stuff on the flip side of this commercial break. Do you owe $10,000 or more to the IRS? Have you been threatened with levies or have unfiled returns? The IRS is hiring 87,000 agents to boost IRS collections and they have the power to seize assets, freeze bank accounts, and they can even take your home. Tax Network USA can help you today before it's too late. Our CPAs and certified tax experts have proven strategies that work for taxpayers time and time again. These same strategies have saved over $500 million in back taxes, permanently resolving tax debts for good. Stop collections and get relief today before it's too late. We love the internet, but the internet is tracking everything you do. Take control of your online pro I love the internet too, but we're going to save that commercial for the final commercial, even though I do use IP Vanish. You get like a little half commercial. Sorry about that, guys. Sorry, I was reading uh, the headline of this next story. I was choosing which ones to hit uh, before we get into the Charlie Skelton story. I couldn't help but do this one. New York City unveils $11,000 safe drug use vending machine in Brooklyn that gives out crack pipes, Narcan, and fentanyl test strips for free. Yikes. And the next one will also have syringes. And I talked about the story in Oneana. They actually had a dispensable Narcan machine for a town in upstate New York. That's how out of control things are getting in the state of New York, whether you're in the city or outside of it. They are coddling criminal, okay, criminal behavior, number one. With their, their no bail deal. I'm just cycling them in and out of the system, in and out of the system. But then also promoting destructive behavior that leads to more crime. And does nobody any favors. This is... Ugh. 
this is stuff that should concern every single damn one of us. Okay? It's a big deal. Mike Pence in the running. Here he goes. Who's voting Mike Pence? Absolutely nobody. I think that he's there uh, to try to like earn a position in somebody's cabinet if for some reason they elect a Republican this year. Uh, he obviously has no real chance. He's He's so disliked by the Trump base, which is a huge sect of the conservative and Republican Party, whether you want to admit it or not. That's just reality. So Pence is here to, to, to you know, again, promote Johnny Nonsense establishment talking points. Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, again, talking about his Nazi father and uh, talking about the abuse he suffered from his father. I don't know how genuine the guy is. We've shown him yucking it up with Bloomberg literally wearing a belt buckle the size of my face that has the Nazi's death head on it. And it's not just the skull and bones. It's the specific Nazi's death head. It's on the cover of Time magazine. Is that guy genuine? Come on now. I mean, what do you think? Do you, do you believe he's, he's, he's genuine? <laughs> I, ha I have my doubts, everybody. I have my questions. And with those questions, questions. Here's somebody who um, questioned authority on behalf of the Guardian, thought it would be a LARP uh, way back in the day when we when everything wasn't live action role play. He just thought it would be <laughs> funny to cover the most significant group, I think, in modern Western history. And in many ways, he's come to that realization and he's done uh, a lot of the seminal work on Bilderberg. And I hope he eventually uh, writes a book. So this is a small section about AI as it was at the top of the list of Bilderberg this year with Charlie Skelton. And that premium is going to be available hopefully today over at redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. Without further ado, myself and Mr. Skelton. That kind of speaks to this global pseudo-techno-fascist society that Bilderberg are very much involved in creating. Yeah, and don't forget Palantir is, always, is, is also operating in, in, in terms of big data gathering and analysis in other realms like health. Mm -hmm. So you've got loads of UK health data and stuff like that, and there's been an outcry about that. So they're, you know, they're not just running a war, they're also you know, building a whole... They're helping to build the kind of surveillance state, really, um, for... Uh, and, and not just them. You've got you've got other. Is it, I can't remember if you mentioned CEO. So the CEO of Microsoft. Yes. Um, he's now Nadella, He's now joined the steering committee like a week ago. Oh. So he he's so there was a swap. There's a Microsoft swap um, on Bilderberg steering committee between Craig Mundy, who was the first Silicon Valley guy there. He was the he was their chief technology officer or something. He was very high up at Microsoft, and he was like Bill Gates' right hand guy. Mm -hmm. And then he he's been on the board of Bilderberg for decades, well, ages, and now he's um, he's just swapped out with the CEO of Microsoft, um, Nadella, and uh, he, um, so he's, you can see Bilderberg is willing to sort of adapt and, ch and become utterly plugged into the very cutting edge of Silicon Valley tech, you know, by, by looking at the people that are on the board, you know, and, and the people they advise, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of interesting, and, and you've also got, like, Kissinger, who his main concern, his whole concern now, I mean, he's 100 years old, but he's still theorizing about AI. 
um, and writing about it, wrote a book with Eric Schmidt about it. And mm. one of the interesting things about it that he writes about it, because they're very conscious of the fact that that you know he comes from a tradition of thinking about things of academia. He's a Harvard academic, and he's come through this world of of think tanks. You know, he was there at Bilderberg in 1957 for the first time, believe it or not, and he was already running a kind of mini Bilderberg think tank at Harvard at the time in the early 50, in the mid 50s, and um, and now he's got to a point where he knows that AI is doing all the thinking. So it's got you've got this thing, you know, you've got Sam Altman there who runs OpenAI, and they must know that they've built a thing which has sort of made Bilderberg redundant in a kind of way, which is that so they, they, they pride themselves on having this time. They make this whole, the whole sort of raison d'etre uh, of, of Bilderberg is that people have time to chew over these things over this, you know, period away from the cameras and the press, et cetera, et cetera. But time is one thing that AI is compressed down for nothing. You know, if you use chat G GPT, it's just like that. You know, you could say to it, okay, you could give it all of the training data from all of these academics that they invite and just churn out their opinion on, you know, a kind of version of their opinion on whatever. So, you know, what I, what I mean is they're in an odd situation where they're embracing, like so many fields, they're embracing the thing which is going to make them redundant, which is, you know, why would, why would anyone bother holding a Bilderberg conference in five years' time? Right? Why? Well, I, I would say this: the reason they're doing it, well, not not only because the AI, in my opinion, is kind of garbage in, garbage out. It's only able to work with what you put forward to it and what you program it with with the algorithm. So let's say there is some secrecy or some information that the public is not privy to. You can't enter that into the quote unquote AI, and that's one of the reasons that you got got to have na narrative management. And one of the things that we have yet to discuss is the fact that, you know, yourself and a handful of independent journalists, you mentioned Josh Friedman, uh, Dan Dix on the scene, and uh, I believe his name is Fred Frederique Duarte was the other gentleman there. Yeah, the Portuguese guy, yeah. Yes. Um, that's about it. And then a couple mm -hmm. of mainstream articles, not really going in depth, and certainly not to the caliber of your work, yet inside The Economist, Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. Um, Axel Springer Media Group. There's mm -hmm. more media inside the Bilderberg Group than then actually cover it. And then you've got, you know, you mentioned Harvard earlier. You've got Oxford's uh, Neil Ferguson, who's kind of like their Carol Quigley, right? He's their historian. He's openly uh, uh, talked about that. And he has talked about these power networks, not just Bilderberg, which he attends, um, but other Anglo-American westernized power networks and how they work and how they do work behind the scenes. So, so to me, you know, AI, look, it's here now. It's commercialized. I'm using it. I'm using it in my thumbnails via Photoshop. It's in the new beta. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a tool we all have to either utilize <clears throat> to our uh, to our advantage or really to our detriment, to our demise in, in a lot of fields. And, and that's happening really, really quickly, Charlie. So. so what are your thoughts on that, the, the media management of, of, you know, the narrative and how Bilderberg's been involved that a long time? But this year in particular, again, very heavy on power players. The Atlantic would be another one that was in attendance. Yeah, no, I, look, I, when I said why hold Bilderberg at all, you, answered, you gave one very good answer, which is that, which is that kind of, 
you know, when you say narrative management, yeah, exactly. The kind of interface between these big columnists and editors, and there's loads on, there's loads of them here this year, like big editors, and also you know, media owners and operators. So like um, uh, Dofner, who's um, uh, Axel Springer, it's a huge German uh, media company. You've got even like. Uh, what well, is you say the economist is there as usual the financial times is there and the columnists go and uh bloomberg the editor-in-chief of bloomberg is there and he's on the board of um bilderberg so totally they invite a lot of there's a lot of um journalists there and and the, yeah which brings us back to one of the things i said at the beginning about it being a networking event mm-hmm. it is in that sense it's it's kind of a hybrid of lots of things and it's having it is having those people together and it's having them together physically um Again, forget AI and forget all of that. There is a value to having those people there physically in a room, talking, t- chewing over, getting, you know, chewing over policy. Not necessarily as, you know, they would insist we're not making policy decisions, but there's still huge strategic players there giving their vision of what's about to happen, whether it's in technology, regulation, um, industry, China, uh, et cetera, et cetera, Ukraine. Um, yeah, you've got all people, you've got everyone on the same page. And these are the people producing the pages of the news, you know. Around. These are the people producing the pages of the news. Bang, bang, bang interview with Charlie Skelton. And by the way, if you have not read that piece, uh, it is a must read. We introduce it there at Bilderberg's Big Wig Bash. Two things are guaranteed Kissinger and Secrecy. We're going to end the first hour a little early. I'm going to play one last commercial. I use IP Vanish. You should as well. Second hour, rvmrumble.com. Myself, Pasta Jardula, election integrity. You're not going to want to miss it. We love the internet, but the internet is tracking everything you do. Take control of your online privacy with IP Vanish. People with malicious intent are everywhere watching you. Criminals can hack your Wi-Fi, while broadband providers and advertisers monitor your data. With IP Vanish on your device, your internet activity is encrypted. No one can see what you're doing. Your location, your connection, completely hidden. Protect your internet privacy today with IP Vanish. Jason Burmis here, and for the next hour or so, we are going to be joined by yet another lefty. I know. Burmis, this is Red Voice Media. You're having on the Jackmans. You're having on Nico House. And yes, now our next guest is someone you guys may be familiar with, whether you've been following me on this channel for some time or just watching me play clips of this gentleman. Earlier in the week, we played Uh, A clip of him asking Robert F. Kennedy Jr. a tough question about his tweeting on the Israeli and Palestinian issue. He also uh, spoke at D.C., where RFK Jr. spoke, about the mandates. He's an international traveler. He's someone who wants election integrity not only in this country, but around the world and he's one of the most honest guys I know in independent journalism. His name is Craig Pasta Jardula. Craig, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us what you've been up to this past weekend. Ah, 
Well, thank you so much, and thanks with uh, you know uh, that last compliment about being an honest journalist and whatnot. You know, I mean, I, I got to say, really, to tell you the truth, this weekend I was with your peeps, right? Uh, Rebel for a cause, where a lot of I think truthers. I mean, what I think the, the labels are starting to fall away and shred away from all of us lefties, righties, uh, people who have just always been independently thinking. But it was a, an event with a lot of truthers uh, that were there. So it was a huge tent. It was called Rebels for a Call Cause. There was some great speakers going on uh, from InfoWoz, Orange Schroer, Schroer. He kind of zoomed on in. Uh, but Harrison Smith gave a great uh, a speech. John Klychek gave a great um, uh, uh, presentation about his new book, A New School Order. Courtney Turner, who put the whole thing on, did some acrobatical work, aerial work. Uh, and then, of course, T-Lav, Scott Armstrong on stage. Uh, it was just an amazing event. I got to tell you something, Jason. I was thinking about you a lot there because uh, when I started coming on your show, when you had me on, you opened up this whole new world to me, uh, it, which really helped me where a lot of people were like, how were you one of the first lefties to get aboard, you know, the, understanding what was going on with the COVID? It seemed like it was you and Kim Iverson only. I said, well, my friend Jason Burmis, he did a show with us called DARPA for Dummies, and he opened the door to this whole kind of world that I never really looked at, and it has allowed me to get a seat at the table where I can talk about the things I experience overseas, especially in Latin America. And the reason why I've been able to do it is because I've also not just modeled your sense of independent thinking in this world, but the class and character in which you bring to the table, Jason. That's the thing. You, you know, you might not agree with Jason Burmis, but the reason why I like Jason Burmis is not just the information and the receipts he brings, but the type of person he is. And if you're going to follow somebody in this world, if that person's a straight-up classy guy with a lot of integrity and character, that says a lot about the work they'll put out. So thank you, Jason, uh, for opening up this whole new world. I have a lot to uh, a lot of credit to give to you for my weekend at this Truther event because you plugged me in. Thank you, brother. Well, I, I appreciate that, brother. And I still remember the very first time uh, that we met online. It was a panel show. It was supposed to almost be tongue-in-cheek where there were going to be questions uh, and answers. So it was like almost like a game show Pasta was putting on. And, and just kind of the way we started talking, you know, I, I get thrown into this label of conspiracy theorist or you even using the term, quote unquote, truther. I was just like, man, wait till we get going. And as we got going, like you said, I, I my model is and, and I'm blessed because, you know, I'm technologically savvy. And when I sit here and talk about something, I don't just have to talk about it. Right. I can bring up the document. I can bring up the video. I can say, all right, well, this is why I'm saying this. And I feel like that is super impactful, especially on a one-on-one -on -one basis, right? If you're talking to somebody for the first time and they're not quite sure, they've just heard rumblings or somebody showed you a clip or you just have a preconceived notion because of the type of documentaries I've made, you don't quite grasp where a person is coming from. And then for that relationship to go from a panel discussion to us doing shows together to us actually meeting in person around uh, another seminal event in deep politics, in parapolitics, in the truth movement, Julian Assange, you, you really do start to get a feel for somebody. And then on January 6th, we also ended up meeting up in the Ellipse area, you know, the, the area before the Capitol, 
and having a really, I think, great interaction and discussion there because we met the night before. Wait, we met the night before when there was Antifa and Proud Boys there. We went into the streets together. <laughs> so it was even before the ellipse. We got to go dive into some serious work. I just want to make sure people understand that, yeah. that we dove into that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, uh, I'm not a guy that's on either side. I'm not an agitator. Um, certain people maybe didn't like the, you know, I, I, I wear a Captain America jacket around a lot of the time. And, and the funny thing is, yeah, I get it. I'm, I'm wrapping myself in the flag. It was $12.99 and sewn in Taiwan and got at Walmart on discount. Okay, everybody, just so everybody knows. Like, I, I take it because the cartoon and now the movie series. I don't know if you saw it, but they just changed the, the title of Captain America New World Order to uh, the new title, subtitle, is now Captain America Brave New World. So it couldn't really be more fitting for me to wear those outfits. Like you said, we were in between doing streaming. But what what caught my attention and where I wanted to go with this is we were in the ellipse and neither of us were there to champion Rudy Giuliani or the crew that was speaking or even Donnie T, right? We were there to cover the event, right? Like that's what I was there for. I, I... 100% believe the election was stolen. That's not exactly why, you know, that's part of why I was there. But instead, I want to see how many people are showing up. What are these people doing? Okay. Uh, you know, that was the day that Pence was going to certify the election. I thought he was going to certify it, obviously. <laughs> I, all indicators had him certifying that election. But it also gave me an on-the-ground look at a lot of the hopium. And I had seen that in December. And in unless... You kind of experience it yourself. You only have what the mainstream media has to go on and the alternative media has to go on and what they're telling you, right? When you experience somebody telling you that Julian Assange is fine and he's in Guantanamo Bay and all of that's a farce and he's going to be let loose and don't worry, Donald Trump is still in control. You've got to take that person aside and say, hey, that's not reality. We're, we're in a bad spot right now. You can't be championing. Uh, Guantanamo Bay or think that they took out McCain as, as treasonous. We have to get into a base reality because from that hopium, the next round of hopium was a March date where something magical was going to happen and somehow Do or, uh, Donald Trump was going to become the president again. What is your experience like in that? Because again, you, you came at it from a very similar angle, wanted to report on it, but you're surrounded by these people. And a lot of people since have come around, like I've done SGT report, and Sean has said, you know, I'm done with the Q stuff, I'm done with the hopium, I'm starting to get a more of a base and what's actually going on so we can combat, combat this stuff. And, and I would argue, like you said, you said my people, but a lot of those people that showed up in Tennessee uh, to watch these people speak, I think they're people that came along from kind of that Trump ride into more of a realization, we've got even bigger problems yeah, you know, and uh, that is such a great point to make, right? Because I still think it's important. And this is something that I tell to my leftist friends, right? My based leftist, my uh, common sense leftist. As so I was introduced at the Defeat the Mandates when I got to D.C. for the first time. Uh, is that, you know, uh, that being said, we can't, we can't demonize these people. We can't shut them out. So no matter what they're thinking, and some people still have a little of that Q hangover, right? We still just got to go out there and talk to them like normal people so we can get across. It's like you said, you, you, you brought them over. Hey, man, that's not reality. Like there are still a bunch of people and the people at this event 
who talked a lot about elections. First of all, the two things that we saw a lot of that, you know, in this particular event is we had many people talk from the right talking about elections. I was from the left, but I didn't talk about elections. I talked about lifting sanctions on Cuba. And despite them being communists, that shouldn't make us want to punish the people themselves because only the people pay the price when it comes to sanctions, not those government officials. Mm -hmm. And also because they have a new government. And this might be I see opportunity. uh, But who am I to say anything? And I got listen, I've gotten bastardized and belittled for the left for saying those things. How can you be a white guy and say those things about Cuba? You know, and a lot of the people on the left, they are so attached to the ideology, the ism, rather than what the people are are experiencing. But those people on the right, for some reason, they find a way. I think a lot of this Q stuff and a lot of the other conspiracy theories, like a lot of these people from the right saying that China is pulling the strings on the elections and they want to just take over. And it, to me, it's mind boggling. And I'm not going to mention who, but there was somebody who laid out a brilliant, uh, a brilliant uh, presentation. And then it got to the point, well, it's China doing it. It just went from here to yeah, let's talk about that, because there were so many actual watchable and observable anomalies in the election uh, on the ground. Just the fact that you had Axios on television bragging weeks before the bragging. And that's what they were doing. They were preparing you and bragging, saying, boy, it's going to look like a landslide for Trump (laughs) the night before, but I'm going to dick a dick a do with these sliders because the smart Americans didn't show up because of COVID-1984. They mailed their ballots in for Joey B. And just like that, the, the exact scenario laid out by Axios that you were going to have a different result in the morning than you did in the night, that was an observable reality. The spike in Pennsylvania was an observable reality. Them saying that a water main broke in one of the states and sending people home was an observable reality. People poster boarding up windows so you literally had zero oversight as a concerned citizen was an observable reality and yet people wanted to focus more on the fantastical i think at some point a lot of these people were just were were brand new to the idea that the machines could be corrupt so they went in their guns blazing with accusations about dominion that they could not back up legally with no basis in where that had come from all the way back in the Diebold 2004 John Kerry days. You know, and I and I continually show people, hey, by the way, John Kerry won the 2004 election. Uh, Ohio was just one of the states where it was clear there was election fraud. He was a sandbagger. And people's eyes like open wide because I'm at a right wing convention. And I think an election was stolen from the Democrats. No, no, it wasn't stolen from the Democrats. It was stolen for the predator class and the globalists to keep their puppet in. And John Kerry in the backdrop running things internationally on a stage kind of as a middleman. And now it is ve- it's very plain to see that John Kerry runs much more of this country our fo- and our foreign policy than Joe Biden ever could at this point, Craig. Yeah, yeah, that was part of the whole deal, right? Like he gets to actually have power and he's been 
doing things behind the scenes or in front of the scenes sometimes when he appeared at the World Economic Forum this year. Now, he's the climate guy. I guess that's the job you get when they run out of jobs to get you, give you. Uh, Corrine Jean-Pierre will gotta Jean get Pierre. job done. <laughs> yeah, down the road. She better get rid of it. And don't worry if this is on YouTube now, Jason, because a couple days ago they said they're no longer going to demonetize and take down videos <laughs> when it comes to uh, elections. So, hey, I've been demonetized for three years for elections. Can I get my monetization back and also hey about three years worth of pay um but yeah i mean that's the crazy thing see the thing that nobody's been able to explain to me is this jason and maybe mm -hmm. you can ask some of your friends if china wanted to cheat for joe biden because supposedly they want to they want to go after the democrats and it's all the democrats democrats it's all the left then why did they give the coattails to the republicans and why do the republicans now have a lot more power after that election did china just want certain Democrats in and certain Republicans in. <laughs> it's almost comical that the party of individual responsibility wants to take none of it when it comes to our foreign policy and our elections. We did this to ourselves. We've been asleep at the wheel for far too long. Americans got comfortable with living it up, Netflix, and before Netflix, they got comfortable with blockbuster video. You know what I'm saying? Uh, American Idol was on, bro. Well. They, they had a great singing voice. That was what was important, that celebratory culture that built up and, and let's talk china just for a second go ahead china is 1.2 billion people plus okay china is not just one thing i want to make that extremely clear it's not just one thing it's not just the ccp okay there are different sects there are different businesses yes it is a one-party system but that party still has to manage over a billion people. And just in regulations alone, that's utterly impossible. And that's why, you know, a lot of businesses are, are moved to China because it's easier to open up a business in China than in the United States. And often there's less government oversight. So what I want to say to my right leaning or conservative friends is that I don't necessarily believe that there wasn't some sect working within China. I know that there are claims about mail-in ballots possibly being processed there, made there, and then mailed to the United States. I have never seen the concrete evidence of that or whether it happened or not. Is that a possibility? Sure, but is it China or is it a privatized operation functioning in China on behalf of somebody else. That's always a possibility. We can't sit yeah. there and just point to the great leader, okay, and act as though Xi Jinping is pulling all the strings all the time. That's absolutely absurd. Now, at the same time, I think that we have to be mindful that the global model that wants to be followed by those in the Davos crowd and the World Economic Forum crowd is one of China because it gravitates to a digitized global credit score system that one day can also be moved into the arena of carbon credits. It's a very easy move, okay? So they like that model. That doesn't necessarily mean it's China on top, okay? You still are gonna have European, Middle Eastern oligarchs that have interests. Those haven't gone away, Craig, and those people are still in power through nepotism and family bloodlines, sometimes hundreds and thousands of years later, too. So to act like they don't have any power and they're not involved, it's just this red scare, is almost a, a regurgitation 
of the Cold War propaganda in which it was Russia, 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 which has also somehow made a comeback, Craig. Yeah, I mean, holy cow, that's so great there. Thank you for the kisses I was blowing you. They were well-deserved because China does have a, its own banking industry, its own banking system. It is not like Xi Jinping is sitting behind there going, yes, give uh, you know, Biden a million dollars. That should be enough to persuade him. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he's seeing everything that's going on. In fact, they've jailed and killed and hung a lot of bankers that have been corrupt and stolen from people in that country over there. So the banking system is not just one system running by itself because they don't have really – they don't even have a communist system. They have like this – free market socialist where they have entities in which the state owns you know what i'm saying whether it be power infrastructure uh, education and then they have open capitalism for people who want to come in they have more private small business ownership per capita in china than they do in america oh and guess what jason they have more ownership by individuals of housing per capita of people than they do in the United States. So for this acting like, oh, my God, hey, it might be a possibility that they brought in, to, in some ballots from China. But guess what, Jason? It's not a probability. <laughs> Three weeks before that election, I was speaking at an election integrity event in Orlando. And I told people, I said, let me leave you with this. Three weeks before Carrie Lake lost her election, I said, who in here knows who makes your ballots? One person in the room knew. One person, 200 people in the room, one person i said look at this company run back china doesn't have to send in ballots with bamboo when they can just pick up the phone <laughs> and make a phone call that's how crazy these ideas are and i said three weeks before that election i said look at this company at run back you people need to start looking at who makes your ballots the american election system has squashed the chain of custody and chain of custody isn't this company keeping an eye on it chain of custody when it comes to elections is in the purview of the public jason and they have swashed smashed smashed the chain of custody so the, the people who make the ballots and sure enough there was a whistleblower hey guys uh, i used to work at runbeck i quit Three hundred thousand ballots from carrie lake's uh, election made it into the system they didn't go to any county they didn't go to any voter they didn't pass go they didn't collect 200 they went right into the system I called it three weeks before the election because I've been watching this stuff for so long, and you just got to see what's probable, what's practical, not what's possible. So it's just ridiculous that they're blaming China. And once again, I'm not going to be a Boy Scout for China. I'm not going to go. I don't have a Xi Jinping T-shirt on. Oh. I don't want to be responsible for my own actions and clean my own house, Jason. Absolutely. Well, I think that uh, one of the big points that you just made about China that's so important is that at the top, it's kind of this – techno-fascistic state wrapped in a type of socialism or communism. In other words, at the top, yeah, like you said, they've nationalized a lot of the big businesses, right? And maybe if you get a little too big for your britches, you obviously got to work for the party, okay? And But if you look at what happens in the United States, that's the same thing with our tech companies, right? And yep. Google doesn't just have a place in the United States, obviously has a place in China. In fact, I still play that clip of Eric Schmidt being asked in 2017 about why Google is making a censored version of the internet for China codenamed Dragonfly. Now, at the time, Eric Schmidt had was leaving. He said, well, I don't know. I can't really speak to it. Talk to Sergey Brin. <laughs> and now I would argue that same model, it is no longer Chinese-style censorship, has come home to our very own Google, and it's very evident in the search results. I do side-by-side -side search results all the time, and unless you are 
literally have five words in a row that you put in quotations that are spot on and you have the date within the year and you pinpoint it isn't coming up it is yeah. and this is supposed to be the most powerful search engine in the world that that tells me again they're looking for a model of suppression of information for the general populace around the world china america whoever it doesn't matter it don't matter <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, what do they got? 1.2 billion people? We got to let them handle their own shit. We got to let them do their own thing. We, we need not worry about what they do. We can look at the things they're doing wrong, but we have to clean our own house. Hey, listen, if you followed me for quite some time, you'll probably see things come in an election and call it right away. If you follow Jason Burmes for a long time, you probably understand that Elon Musk wasn't the savior he thought we were, right? And you'll understand this. And at the end of the day, you won't start pointing at any ism or whatnot. You'll point to the one thing that is more evident than ever before, and that's there is a predator class, your word. And by the way, Cynthia McKinney loved that word when I used it. She's like, I like that word. I'm going to use it. I'm like, Jason Burmes, ladies and gentlemen. The predator class will sit above all these systems and try to control us. So what I tell people is like, I ain't trying to – you know, gear up and, and, and form a revolution. I'm just trying to get people on the same page. And that message is what? Don't blame your neighbors. Your neighbor is not the problem. It's not the communists or the socialists or the capitalists. It's the predator class. Once we take care of them, then we can get in a room and decide what's best for us. But we must understand that they are the number one problem that we are facing today. And they are pulling the strings everywhere. And, and you know what? Let's talk about a localized pulling of the strings because you mentioned Carrie Lake. And Let's again just use our eyeballs and common sense like we did with Donnie T in that election. Carrie Lake was incredibly popular in that state and nationally. Uh, unlike an unknown politician that I think I've ever seen, especially a woman politician. And I'm not saying that because it's the time of the woman. I'm just saying I, I had never seen somebody on a national stage, especially coming out of a long period as a media personality in that region, a trusted face and voice who literally left her position in the media because of the outward corruption at a time many people were waking up to that corruption via the COVID-1984 nightmare, said to everybody, hey, this isn't the news anymore. I'm not doing the news. I have to leave. Then runs one of the best campaigns I've ever seen against one of the most unpopular people who just happens to be in control of counting the votes and the overall election process. No debates, none. No debates. No, no debates. All sorts of irregularities being reported the instant voting starts, even to the point that mainstream media outlets are reporting on it, and she loses by a nut's hair. Now... Just like in the 2020 election, there's this new thing that we're all hearing about that never seemed to be an issue before, but nobody seems to have standing anymore. No one has standing to audit an election. No one has a standing in a corrupt voting system. Carrie Lake goes in there, guns blazing, has the lawyers, tries to do it by the books, gets it tossed out, brings it all the way to the state Supreme Court. Even the state Supreme Court doesn't want to look at all the issues. They find a subset of issues that they allow to go to trial. But the thing that's missing in all these trials and court cases, you know what it is? It's a jury. It's a jury of your peers, which is central 
central in any type of real audit. So basically, it got kicked all the way up to the state Supreme Court. Then it gets kicked down to the lower levels. The judge is back in control. Still doesn't think this person has standing or is correct and controls the entire thing. And now, Carrie Lake has to take that case to the actual Supreme Court. Now, whether or not the Supreme Court is going to rule in her favor, I don't have high hopes because, again, of their ruling and judgments in the Trump 2020 election that somehow the people didn't have standing to audit there as well. What are your thoughts on the entire Carrie Lake scenario? What do you think her strongest evidence of um, voter suppression or voter corruption um, or election interference that you've seen? But at the same time, we're looking at somebody that when they go out in public in Arizona or really anywhere in the country, standing ovations, cheers, everybody loves her. Katie Hobbs tries to go to a golf tournament in her state and is booed. Oh, what is it all? Just Republicans <laughs> at the yeah. golf tournament? Come on. Let's be yeah. realistic. So, again, we're forced to believe in this alterverse, this post-truth world reality, and then we don't have the opportunity to audit anything ourselves. Well, let me, uh, you know, maybe the 51 vetoes I think that Katie Hobbs has already done. Like, how long has she been in office? But I think she's already vetoed 51 bills that have sent, been sent her way. The state legislation uh, has a lot of, uh, I'd say, populist right on there, really fighting for election integrity. But here's the thing, Jason. Unfortunately, the one thing you were wrong about on that one statement is that you said oh, all of a sudden it's not standing. When it comes to election for a guy who's been in the game for a long time, it's always that way. There's been other cases and other situations. It's always not standing, right? The the case that really radicalized me was the 2016 Jared Beck case that Nico House had brought to him mm-hmm. to go for on the behalf of Bernie Sanders voters to go after the DNC for fraud for not following their charter. That's the one that really got to me. But, you know, Bruce Spiva, who was the Democratic lawyer at the time, said, hey, listen, if we wanted to technically, we can go into the back room full of cigar smoke and pick whoever we want. There's really no such thing as a Democrat. We don't have to follow our charter, you know what I'm saying? And with that being said, that kind of threw me in a, in a loop. I was like, holy cow. Well, that case was dismissed notwithstanding. The election integrity game happened to be a, a bunch of, I should say, true progressives, right? Because the majority of the people in the election integrity game who were progressives for many years still held their guns. There's a couple that fell, but there's some like Garland Favorito, who also supported Tulsi Gabbard in 2020, who's still there in Georgia, voter GA, fighting for what's right. Because that's the beautiful thing about being a true election integrity activist. I don't have to play team sports. All I have to say is I stand for national sovereignty, which is the people's choice, something that was taken away in 2020, and that's why. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I have to say about that particular situation. But we have to ask ourselves why. I think the case with, with Carrie Lake, more than anything, is beneficial. It's beneficial because it lames out the framework. It lays out the way the process works. Everything about that. That's why I was originally demonetized from YouTube. No, they didn't tell me that, but that's what I talked about. And, I mean, you're, no, you're not new to that whatsoever. <laughs> you were demonetized way before me. Uh, but as a leftist getting demonetized, and it was a bunch of us, me, Nico House, uh, Graham Elwood, uh, Frank Analysis, Analysis, all on the same day. Boom. We were all talking about certain things that were not allowed to be talked about. Graham, whether you like him or not, talked a lot about Epstein. Right. And he was like leading the charge on the left when it came to that. I talked about that with him a lot, too, as well. But there's a reason. Nico House brought up that lawsuit case, always talked about elections. So did I. And they spanked us. But that's the just kind of comparison why we got demonetized to why this case with Kerry Lake is important. 
they're not going to overturn it, uh, Jay. They're going to come back, and they're eventually going to hit notwithstanding, right? Uh, that's going to happen. It always does because a lot of – here's the thing. The system that has put those judges into place, Jason, is the same system that they're trying to rail against. So it's really hard, right? Because if you, if you rule and say, oh, the election system's not fair, well, how did I get here? <laughs> I'm a judge, and I was elected there. So that's another reason why. Don DeBar kind of pointed that out to me not too long ago. Uh, that's why they're going to do it. But the, the benefit of this is that the framework is being highlighted. And in 2020, we, we were there on January 6th. You know why I was there? It was a Stop the Steal rally. I was trying to get on stage next to Tim Canova, my friend, and get up there and start speaking, you know what I'm saying, and saying, hey, man, I'm glad you were here. In fact, my comment was, welcome to the party, guys. Now you can see what I've been talking about for years, you know, and it's beneficial in this case with Carrie Lake. We're going to get a lot of education, but what we got to do now is not switch to the who, right, because the who is going to be hard to find out the who. If you think for one second that this is a leftist Democrat thing, then why did the Republicans get all the coattails when Joe Biden wins? That's that math is improbable. Mm -hmm. That math is improbable. That's the thing. It's there's so many mathematical impossibilities in this last election. And we're learning more to this Carrie Lake case. When this thing started, uh, Jay, I was just laughing and I wanted to play the Benny Hill music that, you know, that. They're like, oh, we have a department in Arizona that handles early ballots. We have a department in Arizona that handles day of ballots. We have another department in Arizona, Maricopa County, that handles day of mail-in ballots. I'm like, so you got three different departments handling one ballot. Out of the seven Latin American countries I went to, Jason, guess which one of those countries has the same type of system with drop boxes, mail-ins, and you don't have to have ID to vote, as well as three different departments for counting ballots? Tell me. Zero. Oh, zero. None. <laughs> but they're supposed to be the, the ones with the corrupt elections, Pasta. Yeah. And, yeah. and now that you've talked about Carrie Lake and kind of uh, the absurd situation she was thrust in, you know, you talk about that chain of custody. Well, if you don't just have one place where all these ballots are going to, it's going to be a, a lot harder to follow their movement throughout, whether they're mail-in, whether they're in-person, whether they're uh, absentee, which is really, to me, the only valid way to vote remotely. And, and that's because, you know, people don't do it in mass. You need an identification, often a passport. And it, usually you have to put in for that uh, weeks, if not months ahead of the election to ensure that you will get your vote in. None of that is the same as the mail-in ballot system in which I received a ballot from New York State at my Iowa address to vote in the presidential election. I'll be honest, I did it that way. Because I still had a New York State license. Well, first of all, it was New York State. I had no illusions that Donald Trump was so somehow going to be awarded New York State, whether he won or not. I'm just saying that. Number two, um, I, had, I still had my New York State license, so I was unable to register here in Iowa despite having a residence for some time. Finally pulled the trigger on that. I'm a full Iowa guy now. I got the Iowa license. We'll be voting here from now on. But I just thought how weird that was that, all right, if I and I have voted for president in the past in person, I started doing that with uh, Cynthia McKinney actually all the way back. I believe it was in two thousand and four when she ran against the Barack star with uh, the Green Party, and I've I've voted since then. I've even voted in midterms in person in a process where I walk in there 
with an identification. They go, Jason Burmes. Then they tell me my address. <laughs> I go, yup, that's me. And he goes, yup, that's you. <laughs> and you go over, you vote, and you hope that who you voted for gets counted. You know, a little bit of a machine. Not a digital machine, by the way. One of those still physical. Filling it out on a piece of paper, boom. I thought to myself, man, I'm getting this a mail-in ballot. I have no chain of custody. I'm not talking to anybody. Nobody knows whether this is me or not. I could literally take my dink out and stamp it on there <laughs> for my vote, and that would be okay. This is insanity. I didn't get a receipt, nothing, pasta. No, I listen, from a guy who's been over to these elections in Latin America, Nicaragua being one of the best, Colombia being good, I will never, ever, ever endorse mail-in ballots. Uh, you know, I, I'm willing to meet meet a compromise and say, you know, uh, only if you're bedridden in a in a wheelchair, which in still like in Nicaragua, you got to show up in your wheelchair. They let you cut the line. But you got to show up in your designated spot with ID. And I've even seen a situation like one of the precincts was upstairs. Two guys grabbing the wheelchair and taking it upstairs for her to vote in person. That is important. You know what I'm saying? For this to be publicly verifiable which elections have to be they have to be publicly verifiable it's got to be done in the purview of the people the chain of custody starts at the door in nicaragua at in colombia and it ends there the ballot stays there where it's cast it's counted you know what i'm saying so the chances of this thing being swayed or cheated are very very hard so it makes me laugh when a, when, a, when our country's uh, leaders going oh they got pantomime elections in nicaragua when it's the most transparent trackable election you can see it makes you want to laugh for the case of Carrie Lake's uh, election against Katie Hobbs, and I got it's kind of funny because I even forget who Katie Hobbs is. I don't even know who she is. She's not that popular. I got to remember her name. Seventy-five percent of the votes in Maricopa County, Jason, were a mail-in ballot that were mailed out three weeks earlier before the election, and then a couple weeks after. You know, we got a couple onesies, twosies, is what the guy said. I'm like, what the hell is onesies, twosies? I've been covering elections. What's a onesie, twosies ballots? That's the way. I mean, you go, you show up. It's efficient. The chain of custody starts at the door. All the parties are involved to watch. There's public counting. This is easy, Jason. We can do this easy, right? And they don't want it to be done. They never want it to be done. And the Republicans, some of these rhinos that they like to call them, which I'm saying, no, they're a Republican. A Republican is a Republican, whether you like it or not. Lindsey Graham's not a rhino. He's a Republican. That's your party. Eat it, learn it, and stuff like that. They benefit from the situation. If Mitch McConnell, who's been so silent, Lindsey Graham, all these donkeys, McCarthy, you know what I'm saying? They're not speaking up about these elections. Why? Because they reap the benefits too, baby. And uh, this thing needs to be changed. So the one great thing about the Kerry Lake uh, case right now, it's not going to be overturned. I know people out there are being like, who are still holding on. The hopium exists a lot, Jason, too, in the election game, too, as well. Absolutely. He said this himself, too, as well, when he didn't say it when I interviewed him, but he said it on another podcast. Look, people who show up who are questioning our elections have every right to do it. But instead of worrying about who got cheated in this election, who got cheated in that elections, let's look into our election system and fix it moving forward so it can be trusted. You know, that was one of the things the Nicaraguan government had. They had, OK, you want to see you're going to talk shit. We're going to bring in over 200 election international election observers from all around the globe. We're going to spread them out throughout the whole country. We're going to give them total access, and we're going to let them report on it because they also knew that the election system in America is a joke, and they, they, they sought out to show the people, look what we got going over here, a socialist country where there's all this control. <laughs> we have fair elections. What do you got? And, and that's a big deal. Like You've talked to me about these uh, election systems, and 
really, again, there's this mindset that the Brazilian election had to be stolen. Now, I wasn't boots on the ground. It wasn't something that I focused on. Uh, I don't have any investments in either Bolsonaro or Lula. But just like anything else, if you're not seeing it from the cultural perspective of being there and you're not witnessing uh, how the system actually works, you are extremely susceptible to one side or the other's propaganda. Now, you did have boots on the ground. You have seen what the people think and feel culturally. You, you have seen how they conduct their elections there. So take us almost start to finish in that election. Lula, Bolsonaro, the uh, situation surrounding both men, the uh, parties and the people that were backing either men, and then the system that got Lula elected. So that system that got Lula elected also got Bolsonaro elected nine times previous before that. It's the same system. Does it have its flaws? Yes, it's a DRE machine. But if I were to sit here and ask a patriot you know, who didn't go over there, but I witness what I witnessed and tell them the rules, would they take that system over what we got? They take it 10 times a day and twice on Tuesday because it's that much more efficient. It is a DRE machine, but it's, it's limited to each room where they do a zero out of each machine and then they print at the end. The whole thing, the reason why I thought it wasn't corrupted more than anything is because there was no actual proof when it happened. If you wanted to, in Colombia, you can do the same thing. You can catch the fraud in actual in actual time. You know what I'm saying? Like, you would have saw pictures like, look at this room right here in this vote. Bolsonaro has been zeroed out. Last time he got this in this area. Now he's getting that. We saw none of that. We are, saw speculation across the board. And, and if people want to get on the fact that there's a lot of censorship in, in Brazil, I get it. But guess what? That censorship against the Bolsonaro people existed when Lula was there, too, when they wouldn't even let him speak to the press when they arrested him from the help of the U.S. State Department and the Bannonites over there, who I think engineered a lot of this stuff as well, because B is the B in BRICS, and Lula started BRICS, and they wanted to keep Brazil away from China and keep it in their own grasp, because that's, that's one of the largest economies in Latin America. So that's what I think this is about. I mean, it's a very complicated situation in Brazil, but guess what, Jason? They got one day of voting. You must show up at your designated voting spot with ID. You go vote where it's cast, it's counted in each single room. It is a DRE machine, but you can see a printout before to make sure the machine is zeroed out, and then you can see the results at the end. You'll know how many people went to each room, and you can document this in real, real time. And guess what? I took my phone around each machine. No internet, no internet, no internet, no internet. Unfortunately, the populist right and you get results that night, by the way. Unfortunately, the populists right. You know, Tucker Carlson even made this mistake. Your old friends over there at Infowars, our friends at Steve Bannon, not. But um, they decided to listen to a guy by the name of Matthew Terman, who didn't even, wasn't even there for the elections, didn't even know the system. And he kept on changing his language because he was probably gleaning off my Twitter. I found out he was looking at my Twitter. And you know the convo couch. We're doing election stuff in real time. We're sitting with the election officials, Jason, scrutinizing the situation. Those people in the election room, they didn't like us there. We were pushing them on everything. But if you understand Brazil, you would understand this. Number one, Bolsonaro was a huge underdog. He won because of a conservative Christian movement, but the economics weren't there. They have a homeless problem that even was even in, in, engulfed and fired up even more during the COVID. And if you don't want to blame Bolsonaro for the economics because of COVID, so be it. But guess what? He didn't have the economics. Lula, a two-time president, it's ridiculous to compare him to Biden, right? 
Two-time president had the economics there, lifted the poverty out of, out of extreme poverty, went into the favelas, presented programs. Because in Brazil, some of the poor people in the favelas, they would send their kids to work. So Lula says, guess what? Send your kids to school. Now, the bad part of that is you had to get all your, your vaccines before you went. Not the COVID vaccine. This is before, but you had to get this. You know what I'm saying? This is the part I don't like about Lula, and I'm glad I didn't have to vote because I hate, I hate Lula on, on vaccines, even normal vaccines. But he said, send your kid to school, and we'll give you a stipend so he doesn't have to work for you. So he, he did that. He lifted the small people in the poverty out of poverty you know, up, and that's why they liked him. So in the big areas, yeah, Lula, uh, Boston had a big following. But uh, the favelas, they were crazy about Lula because they didn't care about the vaccines. They carried it that had milk in the refrigerator or eggs or chicken, something that went away with Bolsonaro. And also the small farmers, we went with the labor groups, the MST in Brazil. They were so pissed at Bolsonaro because they pretty much brought Monsanto in and these other groups, whatnot, had small companies own them, acting like they're individuals. They were subsidiaries of the big dogs of Nestle and Monsanto, whatnot. Took their crops, turned a lot of it into soybeans for ex, ex, you know, exporting, and they didn't like them either. So Lula was a big favorite. Bolsonaro overperformed, but in my personal opinion, yeah, I don't like the DRE machine. I like to have it change. But anybody, any patriot over here, you know, that thinks that they wouldn't take Brazil's system over ours, they're sniffing some glue and they're lying to you. And by the way, Jason, if anybody wants to go check it out, I call it the election files. Uh, I was kind of going off the Twitter files. I did a whole thread pointing it out. <laughs> Excuse me. It's on my Twitter. It's called The Election Files. And it points out the differences between Trump's election and Bolsonaro's elections. Bolsonaro didn't talk to the press for 10 days after that election. Trump was out there. He was his own best cheerleader. That night he was going, they're going to rob me. They're stopping the counting. They're closing it down. Right? You're You're muted. You're muted. You're muted, Jason. Jason, you're muted. Can you hear me? Sorry, I'm a dick. I had myself muted there. <laughs> Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> no, no, that's good because you were talking. So I, I was no, a dick okay. being talking over you. Look, the, the one thing I'll say about Trump that night is he was eliminated from the mainstream, as he said it. The only place that you could actually watch that was either the internet or C-SPAN. Uh, I think even Fox didn't play it, or if they did, they only played excerpts of it. It wasn't allowed on MSNBC. It wasn't allowed on CNN. He had already been thrown off of social media in many cases. It, it's a, it was a wild, wild ride. And now that's bled over to 2024, and that's a good segue for the fact that, in my opinion, the outward frontrunner for the Democratic nomination at this point is obviously Robert F. Kennedy Jr., despite the mainstream media calling him a conspiracy theorist, demonizing him, calling him crazy, uh, challenging him on shows on ABC News where they literally say they censored parts of it. We can't air this disinformation or misinformation. Or he's being challenged on the right. He's still polling at almost 20%, okay? Uh, he obviously had a huge launch on Twitter with, with Spaces the other day. The day before that happened, Jack Dorsey, the former Twitter kingpin, endorses him. What are your thoughts on the Robert F. Kennedy uh, Jr. presidency? And to your credit, what I really like about what you did is you're not riding coattails and you're not there to serve somebody other than the people by asking a tough question about the Israeli and Palestinian conflict. So take us there. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the things that really bothered me about what the left did when it came to Donald Trump is they challenged him 
in just ridiculous areas, Stormy Daniels or grab him in the you know what or all the stupid things that really didn't make a difference. They didn't really go after Trump and challenge him in the areas where they should have because then they would have to probably put the light on themselves and answer the same questions on why they screw over everybody economically. And, and, and they tend to stay away from the economics and focus on the culture wars. So, you know, even though I endorse the fact that Robert RFK is having a campaign because I believe he's bringing to the table a, a, a conversation that's not being had unless he's there. He's raising the you know, the social discourse, the uh, political discourse in this country and talking about things we need to talk about that wouldn't be there. Otherwise, we would just be talking about Sleepy Joe falling down and laughing and talking about now we're safe that Kamala Harris is in charge of AI. You know what I'm saying? We would be stuck in that dumb, stupid echo chamber. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that I challenge RFK in the right areas for the people, the things that are important. Uh, he provided the opportunity. The second question I put up, was about Cuba, you know, and ending the embargo, because I knew I was going to get the right answer there. Because in my travels in Latin America, when I went to Honduras, really quick uh, story, you know, on, on Dave Smith, RFK said that my uncle has more roads named after him in Latin America than any president out there. And I mentioned that in the question. And I understand what's going on in Latin America. And this is very true about JFK. So when I went to Honduras and I showed up, we were following the Libre Party. We gotten access to the Libre Party. We were using that party to get access to the election so we can do what we can do. But the Libre Party was the opposition party trying to get back in power from the once cooed Manuel Zelaya, who was considered to be one of the, the, the revolutionaries of all the revolutionaries. He's one of them, right? So you go into the Libre Party and we're waiting for Manuel Zelaya to come talk to us. I'm like, I'm like oh, this is going to be amazing, right? A guy who was actually cooed from a country is now coming back. I'm going to get to ask him some question. Amazing. At least one question. So I go in there on the wall and you got Hugo Chavez and, you know, uh, Fidel Castro and you have um, Gustavo Petro and all these other guys and Manuel Zelaya is with that and he's with Maduro and he's laughing. All the revolutionaries all on the wall. And then you go down the way and there's one picture on the wall and there's one U.S. president. John F. Kennedy was on the wall. So even though I endorsed RFK in his campaign, I knew I was going to get a good answer for that. I was going to get an answer that I thought it was important. And I thought it was important to put it on the record because, you know, Joe Biden wouldn't do that. And a lot of people think that that question right there is going to actually move other candidates more than anything else. Everybody's still caught up on that tough question of where you stand on Israel and Palestine. And that's probably the toughest question to ask. You know what I'm saying? And I kind of felt I didn't know I was going to get that answer there. I was a little surprised. I had to go and the Palestinians for him to finish that up, right? Really? But I just thought it was something that was in the news then there. He had just recently taken down those tweets. This is something that a lot of people wanted to know. And, you know, if anything, and I hope the RFK campaign continues to let me get in the room, and I think they will. Dennis Kucinich and I have shared the stage twice now, and we were on Crosstalk together two weeks in a row, and he's been really cool to me. And if you don't know, he's running that campaign. Yeah, I saw but, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and listen, listen. I talk couscous up, man. He's one yeah, of the few yeah. guys that uh, dared to go against the war in Iraq, dared to challenge the Bush administration, and dared to question 9-11. In my film, Fabled Enemies, the last yeah. three of 33 articles of impeachment actually yeah. have to do with 9-11. I was, I was actually watching... Couscous's uh, face as you, uh, <laughs> I have names for all these people, Dennis Kucinich's face while you yeah. ask the question. Because you can kind of see his eyebrows come up a little bit, knowing it's a real question. And the thing was, you asked about the fact that RFK Jr. 
had retweeted and kind of endorsed some things that Roger Waters had done. And he clarified that was in response to his position uh, in Ukraine, Julian Assange, and anti-war. However, when he found out his position on Israel, that's when he decided to take that down. And I would say to uh, RFK Jr. and anybody that thinks that that's an okay response, I get the response, but I fail to see the difference in Roger Waters' uh, position in a place like Ukraine and Israel and Palestine. They're slightly different scenarios, but they're one in which we have to point out that a certain sect of the population is being oppressed, and these things are caused by the military-industrial complex, or what some people might refer to as the deep state, at the top of all of these nation-states. So in other words, yeah, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict is a real thing. You're not a bigot by pointing it out. Jimmy Carter wrote a book called Peace Not Apartheid, where he then was bullied in taking the term apartheid out because it shows a uh, racial exclusion. And that, unfortunately, is an aspect of that Israeli-Palestinian conflict that I think we have to confront. So overall, you know, discuss the response and how you felt about it. Well, let me say this much. I think RFK has been open about his wife and his feelings towards his wife. I think a lot of people have to also remember who his wife um, deals with. She's an actress in Hollywood, and we know who that's run by. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it, it is a shame that he took it down. I didn't think he had to take it down. I would have appreciated him leaving it up and then giving the same answer that he gave me. You know what I'm saying? But that shows you how powerful the Israeli lobbyist is that they can get you to take something down. Well, you know, I don't even necessarily think that it's just like, you know, Israel or, uh, you know, the like runs Hollywood. But you have to look at the fact that the entertainment industry obviously has a lot of Zionists within it. And and those are when I say Zionist, I mean, those are people that basically a modern day Zionist is someone that really just promotes the foreign and domestic policy at those in the top in Israel, the Netanyahuites at this point. And even people Netanyahu has appointed in the past, such as the former head of the Mossad, have recently come out against Netanyahu's hardline policies, saying it's over the top. Cheryl Hines is in one of my favorite shows of all time, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm, where she plays Larry David's husband and then, or I'm sorry, wife and then ex-wife, Larry David, obviously Jewish, very unapologetic about it. However, again... He's not a religious guy. You know, he's a guy that, you know, even in his his jokes and comedy and private life, he's kind of like an atheist. However, I would imagine that he still uh, promotes Israeli policies and is heavily against what some would term the right wing. He had an entire and hilarious episode in the last season they did uh, about the MAGA hat. Right. I mean, and it was very funny. But uh, <laughs> but Cheryl Hines herself. Right. Cheryl Hines herself. Um, you know, one of the big controversies is she would not allow people to come to a private party that had not taken the hate and lie shot. And the paradox to that is that RFK Jr. is the only candidate up there saying, hey, those shots were produced by the Defense Department. And essentially Moderna, Pfizer and others just slapped their label on them. So those are two different sides of the story. Boom, colliding big time pasta. We know what love will make you do, don't we, Jay? Right? We, know we don't want to like we don't want to piss off the harmony in our own house, uh, you know. But I think it is more than just his wife. I don't want to just put it just on his wife too, as well. 
You know, I mean, uh, you know, his his father and his brother, you know, they have a history with Israel. Not always the nice and friendly. There are some issues out there. You know, I think where JFK has kind of challenged the state of Israel as far as what they can do with the intelligence apparatus. Uh, I think that uh, Ryan Dawson has done some great work on that. Um, but the the lobby itself, right? You know what I'm saying? If you want to run for president, it, it would be hard to be pushed back against that. You know, and so, you know, I'm not going to make excuses for him. He sucks on this position. But I understand a little bit. I'm from Boca Raton, Jason. I moved up from New York to Boca Raton at a young age. I went out with Jewish girls. I had Jewish friends. I've had mentors of mine being Zionist fathers. And they're some of the nicest guys I've ever met that taught me a lot. Taught me a lot about how to carry myself, right? You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things they've taught me. So I understand where they're coming from. I don't agree. I don't agree at all. You know what I'm saying? I do think that it is an apartheid state myself. You know what I'm saying? Or you don't want to say apartheid, whatever. But I hate when people say, should Israel exist? Should America That's not exist? the argument. That's not the I argument. We're not sitting here. Yeah. We're not sitting here saying, hey, we're just going to overturn what happened post-World War II. Exactly. You know, yeah. and what look, are we doing moving forward is the question. Sorry. And no, I, I, I'm, it's just one of those ludicrous kind of, they, they put it out there right away to try to discredit you, like you want to abolish Israel. And then if you give that answer that you think that uh, Israelis have the right to be there, what, are we just going to move them like they moved the Palestinians out? No, that's not... It's That's, not going to happen. That, not only yeah. is it not going to happen, it's not the right thing to do. We to need do. accountability exactly. in that first world government, that first world nation state that is Israel, that is a part of Five Eyes, and that is a part of that Anglo-American-Israeli-Saudi alliance that you see outside of NATO that is very real, and not only very real, but in my opinion, help facilitate not only 9-11 to happen, but the cover-up afterwards, that's a whole nother can of worms. We got to wrap this one up. He is Craig Pastajardula. He is one half of the Convo Couch, really one third. We got Johnny on the ones and twos as well. Where Johnny can... works for Kim Iverson now. Oh, she, he, he's out? He's out? He's with Iverson? He's working for Kim Iverson. Yeah, no. He... How am I not booked on that show, Johnny? I know she she favorited me on Twitter and put me in the guest spot. We've, we've yet to talk. Get me on that show, Johnny. Gosh darn it. Craig, where can people see your work, brother? Well, you know, you can always go to my Twitter, at YoPasta. I don't put much stuff on Instagram. I think I'm going to put some of this stuff up there. I just want to kind of share some exciting news, too, as well. You know, I was on, the con I was on AM Wake Up. I just recently left. Steve is still carrying the torch there. Uh, please still go watch that show. I love Steve, and I hope he triples the numbers, quadruples the numbers, and does well on that show. I really do mean that. You know, there's a lot of people who saw us butt heads. And that's okay, because at the end of the day, no matter if I agree with him or not, he's still my brother. I still love him. I think he's got a lot of great things to offer. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> and so please go watch that show. Why I did that is because I have a lot of trips coming up, too, as well. But as you know, and I've told, I don't know as you know, but if you don't know, uh, I want to start covering a little bit more of these campaigns. That's why I made the trip to get out to New Hampshire to go and get an, it's a, a microphone on RFK. I tend to do that uh, with as many candidates as possible. I want to focus a lot on RFK. But now that uh, Dr. Cornell West has thrown his hat in the ring, maybe I can get over there. So I'm going to be on the ground moving around. I'm still going to Nicaragua coming up soon. I want to go back to Cuba. I was able to show my Cuba video. I bring baseball equipment down there, Jason. It's great. And I give it to the kids of Havana. I want to continue to do that. I got Brazil. I'm going to go visit with Nico probably in August if I can. And then in November or late October, I got to figure out the dates, I'll be in Argentina to follow that election. 
And you know what? I'm going to be giving a little bit more insight to what pasta does. I used to be a vegan. I'm not a vegan anymore. However, I do have a high vegetable diet, but I'm going to go show some of the food I eat in these countries. I'm going to get a little Anthony Bourdainish up in the next kind of year and just give a little show of what I do over there. I'll probably put that on my own channel, but a lot of stuff to come on my end, Jason. And thank you so much for always providing a platform for me to talk about these things. And come on, Kim, get get Jason on already. My goodness. Booyah, my friend. We are going to have you throughout this 2024 election cycle. And God bless you for what you're doing. Pasta, thank you so much, brother. And we will see you all on the flip side.